This episode is dedicated to the memory of Denny O'Neill, the legendary Batman writer who passed away earlier this week. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to Geeking In. It is time again for us to chat around random geeky stuff to try and distract us from the end of the world that seems to be going outside. Why would you want to go and geek out? Geeking In seems to be such the better option at the moment. I am Jay, and I'm joined, as always, by uh, our Mr. Fantastic, our well, flexible friend, the pyjama prince that was promised. How are you doing, B? Swahidi Cap. Swadi cap. Swadi cap. Swadi cap. There you go. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, hello to our uh, Thailand listeners. So uh, there you go. Um, and um, to tell us which country will be our next to join our listening revolution, we have the futurist himself, our Tony Stark. How are you doing, T? I'm very well, thank you. Hello, listeners. Hello, gents. And to be honest, at this point, after that intro, I just hope our Thai listeners stay on with us. So apologies to our Thai listeners as well. I'm sorry. And to all of our other listeners, because at some <laughs> point, we're probably going to butcher your language as much as everyone else. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Come on. No. I, I give you credit for trying because I wasn't brave enough to. Um, but, you know, it is... Um, quite an increase an increase in our fan base as we grow we, we have listeners from Hemel Hempstead to Dublin to Oregon to Thailand um, and we thank you all for joining us uh, please continue to rate review subscribe and share let us continue to grow um, this podcast and and um, our, our little community that we can um, all geek in on, on the the cool stuff that we we all love and uh, enjoy um, and yes Okay. Um, oh, for one, I heard a, a deep take of breath. I thought someone was coming in. I, I can come in. I mean, I'm, I'm always ready to talk, but I, I think I was just breathing. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a big it's, fan it's, of you breathing, I'll admit. It's quite essential. <laughs> um, uh, a friend of mine who has been listening to the podcast um, said the other day, oh, I'm surprised you're getting all these international listeners. Uh, I thought when you named the countries, it was just where you guys are all based when you do your Hemel Hempstead to Dublin to Oregon. And I was like, <laughs> you, know, you know where I live. You've come to my flat so many times. Am I in Hemel Hempstead, Dublin or Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> Only according to your VPN, obviously. Um, no, we do not live in Hemel Hempstead, Dublin or Oregon. Um, but we thank you, beautiful listener, if you do. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, the best way to get involved in a conversation with us is, uh, on our Twitter and Instagram at geeking in pod. Um, uh, and some of that has uh, been occurring. So, uh, we had some tweets, uh, this week, um, one from, uh, our friend at Tahid tweets, uh, pointing out from last week's conversation that James Cameron does have an unusually good track record of making sequels that are arguably better than the original. He references Terminator 2 and Aliens. Mm. So there's hope yet. Mm. What was that noise, B? N- no, just a noise. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> just a noise. 
just a noise, just a noise and an agreement that James Cameron's um, sequels are better than the original. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is a discussion waiting to happen, but, uh, you know, I think there's there's original number ones which are better than the sequel uh, as far as I'm concerned. It's my just personal view, and I'm sure yours will differ. It's like Batman word. being better than Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. I mean, now I'm looking forward to Titanic 2, Return of the Iceberg. <laughs> yes. The rise of the that Titanic. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's going to be Jack's Revenge and he's going to just do all of the puns from... Um, uh, Arnie as Mr. Freeze <laughs> in the door to an 84 year old Rose ice to meet you Look, he did well in that movie he is James complete... Cameron no Arnie Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> spoilers for the ending of Titanic 2 uh, Rose <laughs> dies when, James, when uh, the Leonardo Di- DiCaprio character pummels her to death with a door <laughs> showing that there would have been space for two of them on the door if only she budged along a little bit. There was a fan theory that uh, Great Gatsby was a sequel to Titanic. How, really? um, <laughs> yeah, DiCaprio is the same character, and that's why he's scared of water and scared of the pool and all that. Uh, and he just rebuilt his fortune after surviving secretly. And the green light is the, that diamond, that, that, that um, necklace she had. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you see, it all works. I think that's no, it's not really. It's not at all. <laughs> but there we go. Um, and also adding to this debate, um, our friend at Cisco Savile, uh, who did an excellent interview with us a couple of weeks ago about Hush, uh, simply says, "Avatar, do it." No. Yeah. Can I add, can I add to my note uh, my note to that as well? No. Cisco, we had you on the show, and come on, that's just betrayal. <laughs> going up on uh, at Geeking in Pod on Twitter, asking, should we re-watch Avatar? And I can exclusively reveal no. <clears throat> the results are a whopping 75% said, yeah, absolutely yes. Oh, with man. only 5% saying, God, no, why would you? <laughs> so I think, I think our fans and, and our listeners have spoken. I think we owe it to our community to, to do this. Um, to do this poll that you two didn't know I was putting up. Uh, yeah, right. That was sneaky. I'm sure very sneaky. Your accounts to be able to push that far away. <laughs> hey, the fact that all of the votes came from accounts that are very similar to mine, but have one <laughs> coincidence, speculation. If I'd seen that tweet before, I would have deleted it. <laughs> so yes coming soon at some point when i've i've convinced them um we will re-watch and talk about avatar however many decades on from the last one so we are ready for avatar 2 3 7 26 and the 45 different tv shows that are coming out mm. uh, talking of social media we are uh, my niece, lovely niece, my 11-year-old niece, hi, Janie, uh, has devised <laughs> our advert for us. 
So um, coming soon, we'll have our very first Geeking In advert. So please do watch out for it on uh, social media. Give it a like, give it a thumbs up. Um, um, you'll make an 11-year-old very happy. Uh, yeah, so, so brilliant. So we're, we're thrilled to, to have it. Thank you very much. And it's likely to be our first YouTube video as well. I thought given that it's an 11 year old to be on a, on a platform that we barely understand, like TikTok or something strange like that. <laughs> She's on TikTok as well. <laughs> as I said, YouTube. <laughs> I as I said, blockbuster video. <laughs> hey, it's good blockbuster. <laughs> Beats Max. Be kind, rewind. I understood that. <laughs> I want a show just dedicated to Jay's stories of when he worked in blockbuster. Yeah, I, I'd subscribe. <laughs> so linking in my last week in blockbuster was the week before titanic came out on video so my last eight weeks of of working in blockbuster video was people coming in every single day and asking when titanic was going to come out good lord and i was very very popular with uh, some friends of mine um because they got to watch titanic on video a week before it was actually released. Wow. I mean, you know, six to 10 months after the cinema, as <laughs> these things were, but a week before it was actually released on video. And then James Cameron sued Blockbuster, and that's why there's no Blockbuster anymore, guys. However, his sequel he made of Blockbuster, Blockbuster 2 The Rising. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Blockbuster had a chance to buy Netflix? Really? Really? Wow. Yeah, it had a it had a, an opportunity to buy a stake in Netflix and didn't think anyone would sit around a, a computer screen and watch, so passed on it. Jeez, where are they now? All right, I am now adding that to my future comp- futures presentations that I do. <laughs> <laughs> that and Steve Sasson from Kodak will feature everywhere now. Absolutely. So T, your futurist view, did it see us selling T-shirts? Well, I mean, of course, mostly pajamas is what we were seeing. But... <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> you, we, we're building to that. But T-shirts are available. Modest designs, only a couple of designs, but we will be adding more as we work out more designs, basically. But uh, if you go to teespring.com, T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G.com slash stores slash geeking in, then you can see uh, the range of T-shirts and mugs that we have available uh, to purchase to support the show. Um, we will be tweeting that link and sending that link on social media um, uh, viciously, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so you will be able to trip over that every third tweet in your timeline. Um, but yeah, check out the designs, check out the multiple colours available um, and uh, get your order in. They are perfectly ergonomically designed for geeking in around the house or should you need to brave into the dystopian future that we now found ourselves in, uh, they will be perfect for that as well. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on uh, teespring.com slash stores slash geeking hyphen in uh, for all of your T-shirt uh, needs. I'll be now amazed. Sh- I'll be amazed if people are buying. T- if you're buying a T-shirt, send us a picture of it. That'd be really cool to see that actually people are buying it. Because uh, I want to make sure it's not just be, you know, tying them all together and turning them into curtains for his house. <laughs> or if, if, you, if you buy a mug. 
Are you going to turn that into curtains for your house? No, just drink coffee out of them. <laughs> they do have a shower curtain that we could design. So, oh, wow. We could create a, a, a geeking in shower curtain. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, you know what? You know how I, I usually try and find some clever segment out of that? Um, I have none. I have none at all. So I'm just going to stop talking and then start talking about something else uh, and hope that no one notices that there was no slick kind of join up. Um, and I'm going to start talking about The Witcher. Um, after being a massive hit for Netflix um, and dominating their end of year lineup, um, they are getting ready for series two. Um, there was a lot of criticism, however, of The Witcher, partly due to its split timeline uh, storytelling. Uh, one of the, that's given as one of the main reasons uh, why it received 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, although the raw audience rating was much higher at 92%. Um, however, the showrunner for the second season, Lauren Histrich, uh, has been discussing the intersecting timelines that were such a key part of series one and said that obviously it was one of the most controversial parts of series one and I didn't expect it to be as controversial as it was, but it's something I still stand behind in terms of storytelling. The goal was to get to know each of these characters individually and the only want to do that was in, the only way to do that was in the separate timelines. What's great though is they have intersected now. So what we'll see in season two is that all of our characters are existing in the same on the same timeline. What that allows us to do story-wise though, is to play with time in a slightly different way. We get to do flashbacks, we get to do flash forwards, we get to actually integrate time in a completely different way than we were able to in series one. Because as if you can imagine, if we were in three different timelines in series one, and then flashed forward or flashed back, we would have been in four or five or six timelines. Even I know that's too much. So I think it will be easy, a lot easier for the audience to follow and understand, especially with new audiences coming in. Uh, she's also talked a little bit about new characters coming in and is most excited about the introduction of the new witches to the world. Mm. She said, when I talk about the Witcher, I always talk about how these three characters come together, Geralt, Ciri and Yennefer. They come together as a family. And that's the most, impo most important part of the series for me. When you start to imagine someone's family, you also need to understand their family of origin. Sometimes that's a mother or a father. Sometimes it's blood relatives. For Geralt, it's his witcher brothers. It's witcher's brothers and brotherhood of witches. So I'm really excited to get back in and meet Vesemir, uh, the father figure for the first time, and all these men that he was raised with since he was seven years old. And one of the benefits of quarantine is the public have gotten to know these actors a little bit because they are all doing very, they are all very present on social media we've been doing bake-offs, we've been doing dance-offs. Dance I think everyone has really gotten to know these actors a little bit better too. It's exciting because I think that's a different sort of energy that will be coming in season two, which a series two is expected to drop on Netflix in early 2021. B, how are you feeling about going back to The Witcher? I am super excited. I absolutely love The Witcher. Um, super storyline. Loved the complexity of it. 
loved the acting, absolutely adored Yennefer. Um, <laughs> that's um, post um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> post. Um, uh, I don't know how Makeover. to put it. That's the word. Good word. Um, but really great storylines. I, you know, I, I I can understand a little bit why people may might find it confusing. You know, going into the past and you know trying to get all the storylines and and until the very end when they kind of merge. Um, but I, I I thought it was brilliant. Super. I'm so excited that you know. Roll on 2021. I've said it before. It's going to be a super year, uh, made up with all sorts of um, great things which are going to happen in the cinema and on our screens. So really looking forward to it. I'm really surprised that the uh, the timelines was this kind of massive source of controversy. I, mean, I, I went into it not having read any of the books, so complete or played the games or anything like that. So it's completely fresh into just the show. So I had no idea there were multiple timelines for a long time. Uh, and because it's a show you binge, right? Because it all dropped at the same time. Uh, it wasn't trying to remember back something that happened eight weeks ago. Mm. Uh, and for, for for us, it was a rare show that we actually did sort of manage to binge over, over the space of a weekend. Uh, and kind of, you know, a couple of episodes in, we started to realize there's no interaction happening. And then we had kind of our own little theories building. And one of them was, oh, I wonder if it's multiple time, if, if they are spaced in different time frames. And then when that payoff came, it came really well. Um, so, you know, your, your sort of, your thought behind it was rewarded. It was clearly laid out enough if you wanted to pull it through. Um, and yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was an awesome way of telling that story. It's an awesome way of giving them their own, own adventures where they weren't constantly overlapping. So it wasn't sort of like Game of Thrones, um, or sort of early Game of Thrones. You know, it, it had this kind of different feel to it. Uh, and then it came together, uh, uh, perfectly well, especially with the fact that, you know, the different characters age or don't age or kind of, you know, progress in different times. Um, and they were, you know, dropping in sort of, you saw the, you saw some of them as kids and then you saw them as adults. Uh, and cause it's sort of fantasy world and fantasy names and things like that, trying to remember who's who and what relations are what. I'm really surprised that was a cause, cause of controversy. Um, and I'm really glad it was a tool that they used. It just made the storytelling different. It made it interesting. Uh, and I'm really pleased, uh, Jay, what you said um, from the creator there saying, they're still going to think about how they use time yeah. and use it differently. Um, because, yeah, I, I don't really necessarily want a purely linear story. You know, I think you did something which is quite complicated, did it really well. Mm. And something we've discussed on the show in general, I think, is creators uh, trusting their audiences more. So we think about, you know, like Chris Nolan putting out these complicated films, essentially, you know, we all went and watched Inception and Inception did not spoon feed you anything. And if, you know, uh, what people are saying about Tenant is anything to go by, that's going to be an, an even more sort of, of a brain fuck to kind of figure out as you go through. And and that's great. It's great that we are uh, given that as an audience rather than sort of explaining, you know, think about the 90s films where you'd have to explain what an EMP is every single time. You explain what hacking is every single time. Um, so, you know, trusting us to do that. Awesome. Um, and I think, uh, B, as you say, amazing series, amazing show, amazing everything, more episodes, bring it on. I, I'm disappointed that we had to wait so long, um, but shows like this take time. That's understandable. Yeah, good, good things to come to those who wait. Have you read I, any of the uh, novels, B? I, I have. And, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting to know that how this has happened is, is obviously a book's been written, and very interestingly, a game's been produced and then came the TV show. 
Um, am, am I right in understanding the games are not an adaptation of the books? They're set in a sort of different time frame as well. Um, it's it's they use the same characters. Um, yeah, it's it's similar. Um, slightly different. Um, there's there's more adaptation in the in the in the TV series. So the impression I got is the games had a much older Geralt, mm. uh, and the TV kind of adapted the books a little bit more, and you had the young Geralt, and that's why Henry Cavill did a, a lot of promoting around this is the books. If this is the you know if you want game Geralt, you're not going to get that. No. You're getting a slightly different character at a different time, different point in his life. I mean, I guess part of that's the, the, the so I played. The last game, uh, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, I've not read the books and I hadn't played the previous. Um, but that's very much of him being that well-trodden master of his art <laughs> character rather than still fairly early into his journey and fairly early into his adventures. Um, I, I um, felt that the... Uh, I, I'm not as as in love with The Witcher as you two. Blasphemy. Get him, B. Um, but I wasn't. I, I'm not. I'm not clawing to get the next one. I'll watch it when it comes on. Um, but it, it never grabbed me enough to make me, you know, that that amazing feeling you get of one more episode it didn't quite get it what, going why, for me why what 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 was it missing felt, for you i felt the pacing was weird and i don't know how much of that was down to the the the, the jumpy timelines um but i couldn't quite get the rhythm of it and whilst i loved some of the bits and some of the characters and some of the set pieces and some of the whatever else um uh and some of the songs um <laughs> i do it go uh, on do it <laughs> So kind to your wit. Anyway, um, <laughs> for whatever, there was something that just didn't quite grab me with it. And I think one of the things was, you know, that last episode felt quite long. Um, it felt like there was some, so, you know, the whole Geralt being mortally wounded. And that's where you get to hear his backstory and meet his mum and various other things felt really kind of shoehorned into everything else going on. And then they all got together and what felt like really, and truthfully, it probably should have been the episode end of episode two or three, if you're really dragging out, was the end of the series. So it just kind of, the, the pacing didn't quite feel there for me. I felt like I was was kind of wading through some of it to get to the next bit. And once that, once I had that moment of realizing that they're doing the the different timelines and they're jumping around, it didn't quite, I, I was too busy waiting for it to be clever, to be excited by it being clever. So, yeah, I, I, I think so. I think a little bit of the gimmick kind of got in the way of the storytelling for me. I just think you're you're an impatient viewer, Jay. I'm going to get full defensive of of my Witcher now. <laughs> <laughs> you go for your life, and you spend the rest of the episode just going mm. yeah. <laughs> for however many episodes it is. Just just mm. just grunting. Just is that what it does in the game? Is that is that a whole labor from the game? I mean, he actually has dialogue in the oh, game. Yeah. Okay. Because I loved. I think the whole first episode, all he sort of says really is. Fuck. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've got a feeling that somewhere along the lines, Henry Cavill said, I can learn how to fight or I can learn the lines. Pick one. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think he played it. He played it perfectly. And, and again, I guess this is me not knowing, not having played the games, but, um, uh, or having read the book at the time either. But um, this kind of silent character and his kind of internal turmoil and all of that stuff, you know, uh, I rate Cavill for his performance in that massively. Um, and, and all the other uh, actors as well. Actually, I think I think it was a wonderfully acted series. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The game was a, a lot more. Um, I couldn't get into the game. Um, to be honest, I, I think I, I played the first two minutes, and wow. I, yeah, I, I just couldn't get into it. it. I just found it overly complicated. Um, and, I mean, there was a level of complexity. Like, for instance, you've got two swords. You've yeah. got the, the iron sword that you use to fight humans. Yeah. And then you've got the silver sword that you use to fight monsters. And you you die a lot. Yeah. And, you know, you've got potions and all sorts of stuff going on. Um, magic, etc. And yeah. presumably um, it's the popularity of the games that got the film, the sorry, the series made, right? Because... People seem to have not heard of the books, but have heard of the games. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think it's one of those kind of, you know, it all kind of feeds itself, but yeah. Can we adapt a video game? You don't have to. There's books. Mm. Cool, let's do that. Mm. It's interesting, though. I mean, how, you know, this this it's come around back to front almost. Um, it's unusual, certainly, yeah. You don't, you don't normally get something like that. Um, I can't literally cannot think of another example where you've gone book game uh, series. I guess we're all scratching ahead trying to think of one now. Aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, audio, uh, and we all sit here in silence trying to think of one. Um, Listeners, if you, you do think of any, <laughs> at Geeking in Pod, drop us a, a, a message. Tell us about something that went. Maybe not book, but, you know, so source material into a game and then into a TV show. Um, there must be some, but, uh, yeah, we can't, I, I can't think of any. So let's, uh, let's, let's see if, if uh, our brilliant fan base can think of some as well. Um, so, yes, Witcher 2 coming in uh, early 2021 and, um, yeah, split, split opinions as to what we're expecting from it. Uh, one thing I think we're all looking forward to, though, is the next Spider-Man film. Yeah. Uh, the next live-action Spider-Man film, not to be confused with the Spider-Verse film that we talked about in last week's episode, available in our archives, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, and there's rumours starting to swirl about what may be coming out from that um, and future uh, Spider-Man films. So one of the rumours is that Tom Holland's Peter Parker may uh, be getting a new love interest. So as we know in the the film, we have Zendaya playing Mary Jane mm-hmm. um, and uh, that relationship really kind of came into its own in uh, Far From Home. Um, however, he may be... Um, a little bit unlucky in love with a new character taking his attention, um, and that would be the Black Cat. Ooh. So Felicia Hardy has been a mainstay in 
Spider-Man comics for many, many years, uh, has yet to really make her way onto um, the, uh, the Spider-Man films. Anne Hathaway was slated to play the character in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4 before that was eventually abandoned. And Rose, Rogue One star Felicity Jones appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 2 um, and was expected to then play a bigger role in the sequels before that got reset. Um, there was also talk about that being spun off and Felicia Hardy having her own Silver and Black uh, TV series um, or film uh, when they were talking about the Sinister Six films and, and what could happen after that. But the rumour is that... Um, she will come into Spider-Man and create a little bit of a love triangle um, to make Spider-Man's life just a little bit more complicated. Uh, another rumour that's going around is that Harry and Norman Osborn could be making an appearance in uh, a Spider-Man film soon, um, with Norman Osborn taking up the famous mantle of the Green Goblin. Uh, one of the heavily rumoured uh, stories here is that actually Green Goblin's um, debut in Spider-Man could lead to him killing Peter Parker, which is would introduce the um, move from uh, the films being about Peter Parker Spider-Man to a Miles Morales Spider-Man. Interesting. How do we feel about... Uh, the Black Cat potentially coming in and the stories that Green Goblin not only will be coming in, but could have a huge impact to the Spider-Man universe. I think for me, part of, part of this is trying to separate what we know is happening behind the scenes with the studios and, you know, contracts and things like that. Um, but just, I, I would say Toby, Mag not Toby, sorry, Tom Holland is my favorite uh, Spider-Man uh, of, of all the films uh, and and Stan Lee's favorite Spider-Man, I suppose. So having Stan Lee's blessing is is the ultimate blessing, isn't it? In a, in, in a role, because um, you know he does not look like a forty-five-year-old man pretending to go to high school, mostly. Um, but I I think the Spider-Man films themselves uh, are lower down on my list of MCU films that I enjoy or ever want to rewatch. I don't think I've bothered rewatching Far From Home. Um, I'm not even sure I've rewatched Homecoming. In fact, I fell asleep at the end of Homecoming uh, during oh. the Green Goblin fight because it's the same, isn't it? You have a fun story, that's great. And the last bit, it's a boss battle and nothing really exciting happens at the boss battle. Yeah, but that's um, every single Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm going to fall asleep during a Marvel, during a superhero film, and it feels like it's going to be a, the same old boss battle, I'll, I'll have a nap during that bit, basically. <laughs> You know, because that's the least interesting part of the film. But, you know, as soon as I see a blue light shoot into the sky, I'm like, great, nap time. Nap time. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so, so probably the least interesting of the MCU films um, uh, because I, what I am interested in for, of Spider-Man is more his relationship with, uh, with the Avengers, with the MCU, with the wider world. All of that stuff to me is, is more interesting. Uh, certainly, the first two films were all about his relationship with with Tony Stark, both um, uh, pre and post mortem Tony Stark. That's very sad. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Felicia Hardy, fine. That's not particularly exciting. It's not particularly dull. 
Um, uh, I think getting Miles Morales in would be amazing. You know, we, we talked we talked so much about our love for Spider Verse um, last week uh, on this show, um, and I think and that, you know, that's probably one of the things that rare things that we all solidly really really agree on. So, so you know, Miles Morales would be would be an amazing person to kind of carry on with that mantle. But for me, I would want to know that that's going to be part of the MCU. That's going to influence it. Uh, I heard um, from uh, an actor friend of mine, good maybe a year ago now actually, uh, that that was one of the plans that were in place that he was hearing about. Uh, that it was going to be, um, you know, essentially Peter Parker being built as the next generation, as the next role to the next Tony Stark to take on the next form of Avengers, because we have for the first time in you know Marvel history really the characters actually aging. Where you're going to have well, characters dying, of course, but actually characters aging out as well. You know, you're not going to have uh, Clint Barton being Hawkeye forever. If you're going to keep making the films, you're going to have to age them. Uh, so I'm interested in Spider-Man if he stays part of the MCU. I kind of want to know that for sure, but without to, to get me invested in the story. So the rumour is that, that Marvel are planning at least six more solo Spider-Man films. Wow. Um, obviously, that's that's Sony deal withstanding um but you know does do you have to kill off peter parker to allow miles morales to to be spider-man i mean the the comics at the moment and we are recording this on um uh marvel main universe day 616 um yeah I can't take credit for that. I watched a Hasbro Pulse video about it. Also, it's, it, you know, it's the American date format, so that's not something that would occur to you, I imagine. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Same problem I had with Bill and Ted Day last time. It was just, you know, different. Um, but, um, uh, you know, the, the comics at the moment have two Spider-Mans, Spider-Men. Um, the, the new PlayStation 5 game, the, the Spider-Man computer game, looks to have two Spider-Men in so, you know, do we need to have the ultimate sacrifice like the, the Ultimates comic um, to allow Miles to take up the mantle or, or can it be a, a, a mentor-style relationship? Mm. Especially with Tony no longer being the mentor. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think what keeps Spider-Man young, what keeps him that kind of relatable teenager character, even as he kind of ages out of that role is um, having a mentor, having that kind of older role to kind of look, look up to. Um, so, yeah, and the other thing is actually to keep Spider-Man young, you are going to have to move it through the generations. Uh, the comics over and over again refresh that, right, to, to put him back into high school because that's sort of the story that's most interesting. Mm. Uh, and the best way of doing it in a film universe would be would be Miles. I mean, I, I, I agree, um, but I disagree in the fact that I, I don't think... Iron Man's gone as such because I think um, Tony Stark will still be around in terms of um, being a mentor for Peter Parker in, in the form of the bath technology. Um, oh, I hope not. I, I, I think that that's quite important. I, th- I think you need that link um, to the new generation to kind of, you, you can't just have a clear slate. You, you've got to have a transition um, from old to new, I, I think. Um, I think that's quite important. Um, as for Miles Morales, I, I, I think um, I think it'd be great to see that happen. Um, 
I'm not sure if it will happen because obviously you've got the Spider-Verse movies taking on um, their own sort of separate timeline, if you like. Um, and to see that crossing over to live action, I'm not sure how that could work. Um, well, I'd love to see it happen because it's such an interesting character. Um, and it's certainly bang up to date with New Generation. Um so it's certainly interesting times. Yeah, I think the representation of of superheroes is important as well. And I think that, you know, Miles Morales is a great character mm. for a lot of reasons and does allow um, you know, Peter Parker to to tell you a, a different version of that story. Um uh, and I guess the 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 out you have on the aging at the moment is technically he's five years older than he was. So yeah, there's a weird bit of um uh, the, the the returned after the snap, so you've you've got some kind of weird time to to play through. Is he is he still sixteen seventeen or is he legally twenty two because he's been dead for five years, but actually he's back. I mean, um, for, for the most part, Marvel films have been uh, the, the 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 date they are is sort of when they've come out. That's the time space, right? Apart from Guardians two, which came out a few years later, but was only six months away. And that worked fine for Guardians because that was, you know, so separate and there was no overlap and it kind of didn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I guess far, far From Home works because, yeah, you're still having Teenage Peter Parker, but you've got the impacts of Endgame and all of that stuff. You've got to make a decision now with the time space between the end of Far From Home and Spider-Man 3 and decide, do you pull it in and therefore stuff that's happened in the universe won't have happened in Spider-Man yet? Or do you allow the gap, which therefore means he's in uni now? Yeah, and bearing in mind how that film finished, I can't believe you're keeping a gap between two and three. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it almost feels like in some way or shape or form, you have to deal with the right here and now of the world has just had your identity revealed. What does the next 24 hours look like? What does the next, you know, 20 minutes look like? Um you know, you can't just kind of go, oh, wasn't that a crazy day? Yeah. And then life got back to normal and we're fine and here we are. Um, so it is this kind of weird, how do you work around all of that? Um, but, you know, the linear toilet, to go almost back to the, the, the Witcher thing, you know, the linear timeline, once you're starting to introduce multiverses of madness and all the rest of it um, and chaos powers, um how how structured is the timeline and how, how wibbly-wobbly can you get? I suppose with all of that stuff coming in, I think there's something around understanding the the theme of each superhero in each film. So whilst, you know, when you're watching a Thor film, you're really comfortable with loads of magic, as you are with Doctor Strange, you don't want that to be part of a Spider-Man film. You know, Winter Soldier was amazing because it was a spy film uh, and Doctor Strange was amazing because it was a magic film. And they are very different. A psychedelic magic film, yeah. A psychedelic magic, exactly. And and Guardians because it's a sci-fi film. Um, so, yeah, all the kind of timeline jumpy stuff doesn't feel great for Spider-Man. I mean, both Spider-Man films. The, the strength, the biggest strength, I think for me, is you know, is that um, sort of Breakfast Club uh, sort of feel. You know, the young Spider-Man, all of that stuff. Uh, don't start chucking in all the other random stuff because you'll you'll lose that consistency. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and, and to your point on Homecoming, for me, the big boss battle in Homecoming for me is um, 
Michael Keaton in the, the limousine. Yes. And when he works out who he is and, yep. and, and talks to him. For me, that's the that's the crescendo of the of the film. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. It's worth and then you just for that scene alone. That. Yeah, it's a bit scary though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one character who was scary and needed to work out who it was and go back to basics to retell the story was Batman. 15 years ago yesterday, um, we had the debut of Christopher Nolan's grounded origin story of The Dark Knight, uh, debuting Christian Bale as the the, the titular character and introducing um, uh, Michael Caine as Alfred. Uh, 15 years ago yesterday, Batman Begin o- Begins opened in theatres, in cinemas, and went on to take $371 million uh, worldwide. Um, still sits on a positive score review on sites like Rotten Tomatoes, 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 Tomatoes. It's an American site and not English. It's weird. Um, and then also spawned the, uh, the the sequels, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Um but here we are on the 15th anniversary of Batman Begins, possibly the second most important Batman film. B, how are you feeling about 15 years out from Batman Begins? I can't believe it's 15 years. Uh, I said this, Sorry for depressing you. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it's, it feels like yesterday. Um, what an awesome movie. Well, I mean, to be fair on that, it's, it, you know, 2020 alone has been 72 years. So. <laughs> You're not wrong there. <laughs> um, but yeah, what an awesome movie. Um, you know, the, the Batman origins tales been been told so many times. Um, I mean, before this version came out, I, I really liked um, uh, the Tim Burton um, movies. Um, but since then, um, this has been by far the best Batman adaptation, Telltale, um, you want to call it. It's it's, it's been superb. Um, the best trilogy there's ever been, I think. Um, and, you know, it sits up there with Star Wars, um, um, to name a few. Godfather? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's it's superb. Um, love the acting. I, I love dark movies, um, and you know it was superbly directed. Um, yeah, it's it's one of my favourite movies of all time. Yeah, I remember following the development of this movie more than I've ever followed the development of of anything ever. I remember when the message boards oh, so ridiculous now, but we were called bailheads all the people who are pushing for bail to be batman <laughs> and everyone's like hmm. signature was literally just bail damn it uh and, until that casting was announced i, I felt part of it i feel like i, <laughs> I contribute christian bail you're welcome <laughs> my internet presence up um you know uh and and even the bits where because chris nolan wasn't a well-known filmmaker to me at the time uh certainly right. i enjoyed um memento but i don't can't think i knew him from anything else at, at that point uh, but yeah, that this kind of realistic take early on, you sort of realized this wasn't going to be the ultimate, you know, iconic classic Batman of the comics. 
Um, and I don't really think superhero films had found their feet yet at that point either, right? So you had the sort of X-Men trying to do the what feels right, let's do leather suits because you can't put them in a superhero outfit. You didn't have the Marvel, the MCU coming in saying, no, actually, Spider-Man can really look like Spider-Man. Um, I can't remember. I think uh, Superman Returns came out after Begins. Uh, so, you know, the, you've not had that kind of bright colored costume either. So everything was about being sort of a bit real and a bit gritty. Um, and it was just, it was just bloody mind blowing that, that film as it came out, uh, you know, there was parts of me that was there going, Oh man, the Tumblr does not look like a Batmobile. What is that? It's just a tank. And then you go, Oh, right. It is, it is a tank. That's great. You know? Uh, and then uh, same with the trilogy as you move on, you know, you move out of the Batman looking suit into the, the complex armor um, with the, with the separate pieces. And then you go, right, because this isn't trying to be, you know, that iconic Batman where you just want to pause every scene and every scene is beautiful. Like, this is this kind of realistic take on it. Um, yeah. Begins was just absolutely awesome. And absolutely mind blowing. Definitely not the best of the trilogy. Uh, and I'd be curious to hear how you guys rate the three, three of the Nolan films, how, how you would rank them personally. Um, but it definitely introduced um, a whole new way of thinking. I think to superhero movies, and I think all the movies since then uh, owe a hell of a lot to Nolan and to the um, to Begins. I, I agree. I mean, so um, Superman Returns was two thousand and six. Um, Iron Man was two thousand and eight. Um, so it was, you know, the first, and it really did kind of strip back and kind of give you that that kind. Of, you know, he was he was in essence trying to make far more of like a detective story with a, a character rather than anything more. So it was kind of bringing it all back and, and you know, looking at how it builds. Um, I, I'm i a sucker for the training. I'm a sucker for, you know, him going away and you seeing him, you know, learn the the, the uh, League of Assassins or the League of Shadows um, techniques and, you know, why he's got the, the blades on his gloves and, and things like that. You know, watching him build his array in Arsenal and then taking that back and then, uh, you know, Lucius Fox being introduced as that kind of gimmick of, of how yeah. he could get all of these tools and the story of that as a character. And, you know, this, this entire R and D section that had just been mothballed out of spite to Lucius Fox. Um, and, you know, that, that element of, well, you know, technically you own it. your name on the company is yeah, technically you own all of this. Um, and iconic lines like, you know, him running around the tumbler in the, the, um, uh, in the test base and, uh, you know, what do you think? Does it come in black? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, really, really good stuff all the way through. I think um, there's bits that I still have problems with. Is it the uh, voice? So Rachel Dawes is an interesting character. Um, not quite sure she ever really kind of did what she was meant to do. You know, we, we've talked for a couple of weeks now about the woman in the free uh, woman in the fridge, mm. and what. She anything more than that? To be honest, yeah. Um, first film, I don't think she had anything to do. Uh, didn't she? there was that thing that she was trying to provide that I think that link of um, you know the Bruce and Batman and where, where he sits and what's the real him and quoting that line of you know who you are and what you do inside. Sorry, who you are inside and what you do and all of that stuff. But it was really. Weak. I don't think Katie Holmes' performance but, helped at all with that either. Yeah. And Maggie Gyllenhaal kind of did weird things with it as well, um, and so it was. It was a yeah. It felt far more like a um, 
a, a, a scolding kind of character rather than an uplifting kind of character anyway. Mm. Um, and yeah, as you said, the voice, I think, is still the bit from those films that I think ages the worst um, out of all of it. You've given him tech all day long. You've given him real life things all day long. You've even explained how they have to make the cowl in shell companies because they're buying the bits from different companies and creating it themselves. And so no one realizes that you're making these masks and it means that you've got hundreds of thousands of them, but still, um, you know, all of this is, is kind of designed all the way through. You've got a bat suit that's been designed because you've explained that you want to go spelunking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that. All of this has a real kind of base in science. And then when you get down to disguising your identity, you've decided to speak a bit like this. <laughs> I mean, I, I think in fairness to the film, it wasn't necessarily a choice of do we do an artificial one or not. It might have just been something that they hadn't really thought of because there was no voice modulation stuff in other superhero films at the time either, were there? I mean, Batman I just kind of like Batman. But it's a good point, though, isn't it? I mean, you've It got is, and it's a horrible voice to choose. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, his costume might have been tight. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, uh, maybe Chris Bale thought he was speaking in bat. Who knows? That was his choice. I mean, I don't know whether they thought they were going to dab it. I know. I mean, it's it is a it's a, a trilogy that's plagued by things like that because the the issues of Bale of um, Bane's yeah. voice and the fact that they tried to do the original cut without any kind of audio dubbing of. Um, uh, Tom Hardy's Bane and well, I could talk in a weird voice and then muffle it under a mask. I didn't expect people to understand anything that was happening. Um, and you know, I remember that being the biggest kind of pushback from his uh IMAX sizzle reel when it was attached to whatever Inception was it attached to? No, it was, it was a bizarre film, it wasn't one of his films. Um, and that film got a lot of views because people went to watch um, <laughs> just the sizzle reel and left, um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of it was, you know, you've got the opening scene of him being kind of arrested on a plane and you know, there's a little bit of, of lax storytelling in that one in itself. But um, most of it was couldn't understand what he was saying. So they had to kind of go back and audio dub it all. Um, and that that's the sort of thing. I think it was plagued all the way through by by just not kind of having that final thought of. And then he sounds like. Um, and it's a really hard voice to emote in. Because when you're calm, you're talking like this. Mm. And you're, when you're angry, then it's just all like this. And they're angry, you get the harder they start to fight. The voice is still, and I know, I know I bore everyone by going about this, but 15 years on, I'm still thinking that the voice is the bit that is going to age badly in this. And it's going to be the point of, of derision in, in some of these elements. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I think I think the in-universe explanation is is that's what you know that what Bruce hadn't thought of. He he, he sorted out the costume, sorted out this. He doesn't really think his voice is going to be recognised um, because he's not mixing it's, in the same. even naive or arrogant. Um, he set up an entire system that allows him to shoot bullets into bricks to recreate the bullet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. fingerprints. Because of magic, sorry, science, um, he can do all of that. He has a, a phone system that he rigs, that he steals and rigs, that allows him to 
stonar through the entire All city. of those things, like Lucius Fox makes for him and he just thingies, right? He just takes over. Perhaps Fox hadn't made a voice modulator that he went, yeah, yeah, I'll have one of those. Both of those things I chose as examples because those are things that you don't see Lucius Fox anywhere near. In fact, him jerry-rigging the, um, the sonar is the bit where Lucius Fox yeah, quits. But he is taking Fox's technology and, and bastardizing and it. And expanding it exponentially. So he's clever enough to do that and to hack every <laughs> cell phone on his own. Or maybe it's just unnecessary. You know, maybe it's like the criminals don't need to know. I'm just going to scare them. I mean, he's still a scared nine-year-old child inside and he's doing a big scary voice to be the monster. That's a good point. I think that's a cop-out answer, but I will let you have it. Um, And in answer to your question, um, I think it's uh, Dark Knight begins, space rises. Oh, okay. Space. Go on, B. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, three, two, one. Rises, Dark Knight, then begins. Yeah. Okay. So Dark Knight Rises is your favourite out of the three. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, I, I, I just think it's, it's a great, um, great, ending disappointment no it's not how dare you oh it's not a disappointment come on it's a brilliant movie it it, it's it's it 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 finishes it off brilliantly i think it's it's not my favorite either i think uh dark knight is undoubtedly my favorite so i think i go dark knight begins and then rises as well um but the space between rises because of what it is however it is a flawed movie from beginning to end. I disagree with a lot of that. I th- but I think for me, Begins nips it just because of how exciting it was when it came out. I mean, even just choosing, you know, Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow as the villains, the kind of unknown characters as villains, that's, that's so cool. I, I remember when it was called Batman the Frightening and it was going to be Scarecrow as the villain only and that was what they were building it around. Um, and, and, and then it kind of... Yeah. I could keep gushing about this film. It's amazing. Uh, it's an amazing trilogy. I'm, I'm grateful it exists. So what am I missing about Rises? Uh, everything. <laughs> Apparently done. <laughs> so my issue with Rises is it starts with depressed Bruce, who's retired for five years after conservatively yeah. six months' worth of being Batman. Well, no, um, he just watched his... his- best kind of buddy turn evil what, right. what i didn't like about that specific thing is i i really liked uh some of the extra marketing material that came out when um dark knight was coming out and it was just like you know folk i can't remember if we had phone cameras back then but sort of camcorder clips of um batman being out and about and it was a six month gap right so you had this kind of thing of during these six months, he's done stuff. He's fought baddies. He's, you know, there's, there's a whole host of Batman stories we don't know. Then Rises takes it again, a whole chunk. And, and, and actually, a Dark Knight very much ends with, now you're Batman. Now you're on the run from the police. Now you're ready. Now you're that, you know, now Absolutely. all Lanty. the comic stories that you think that you've won, that's all going to happen. And then Rises kind of goes, no, it didn't. Actually, that was it. He was driving home when he was <laughs> driving off into the wind at that yeah. point. Uh, I think that's a shame. And it, and it took away some of that. I understand why they did it and it worked 
for the story if you look at Rises in Isolation because then you can have him sort of coming back. I mean, again, the, the magic knee was a bit ridiculous, especially when he so kicked through the brick of, with his own yes. foot. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere between um, Harvey Dent dying and him running away, he's he's done his knee in. Yeah. Because that's now irreparably damaged from years of, except it wasn't years, it was six months, and then you mm-hmm. kind of had five years of recuperation. Um, so his, his knee's done, but that's okay because he's got a magic knee brace that he doesn't wear at any other point but when he decides to, to fight. And the only thing that's brought him out by is someone tried to steal his family's jewels. So in 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 that act, in trying to do that, he managed to f- stop all crime in Gotham completely. Um, then we've got the Bane storyline, which is, you know, what it is. Um then he gets his back broken and gets it healed in a prison where he's locked down a well that he manages to get out of and gets home somehow. Even though he has no money, he has nothing else because Tully Argyll has stolen all of his things and all the rest of it. Then... All right, we'll, we'll go. go. We're doing a cinema sins now. <laughs> yeah, but you, you forget one thing. He's Batman. One. He's the goddamn Batman. Exactly. Once every five years. <laughs> Prep time. Once every five years, he's Batman. I've been Batman on Halloween more often than he's Batman. You're just jealous your cosplay's not as good as his. <laughs> I've dressed up as Batman more in the last five years than he has. Um, and then we yeah. have the, 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 the damn autopilot that doesn't work. And we end up with the same plot as the 1966 TV movie of, you know, sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb. Um, <laughs> and then that all blows up and it turns out he's retired again. He's sitting in the cafe in, in Europe drinking coffee because he's retired again. Jay, you can pick apart any movie. I think the themes of it were really solid. I think... I think it's there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you didn't mention as well that I didn't particularly like as well. You know the, the way the sort of fights happened and it, the suit just sort of doesn't work in daylight. The whole thing about you know you need to be this icon and and you know uh, the re- I didn't necessarily like the way the film the fight scenes in begins in this kind of scavenger shot way showing that villain perspective, but making him too out in the open that didn't work. You had him using the voice without anyone around, but at the same time you got to have an awesome um, Catwoman. Um, I, I liked what they did with Bane. I liked that character. Um, I think Bane in the comics, I mean, he's interesting uh, uh, in Nightfall uh, yeah. and then nothing, really. He's just sort of a bit all over the place. And then connecting him back up to Ra's al Ghul is sort of interesting. Uh, and they did a nice thing here, bringing him back into that Ra's al Ghul yeah. story. I was a, there was something that was, I guess, a little disappointing for me as well. And sort of... In Begins, there was still a sense of, I'm not sure how much magic is in this world. Because you had, um, uh, this, you know, this, they strongly implied Ra's al Ghul is just a title that's passed along. Uh, but yeah. also, you know, you could take away from it, no, actually, that's not the case. Uh, Ra's al Ghul has carried on through the generations. And I've, I've been, as in Henry Ducard has always been Ra's al Ghul. Mm. Uh, and I pretend a different person is Ra's as we, as, we, as we play this game. And I'm always the advisor or whatever. Um, uh, Rises certainly just put an end to that and said, "Yeah, no, clearly there's no, there's no Ras, and that, and that's a shame as well, I think. Um, but no, it was just a. I mean, firstly, I wanted anything more in that universe. Great, the more you give me, the better. 
Um, it, it, it wasn't necessarily where I wanted it to go, but it tied it all up and it made it, made it so that that universe is closed. You're not going to get anything else in the Nolan films. There are no more stories to tell. That's such a sort of unique take of Batman uh, that it's done and it will exist and leave space for us to have all the other takes of actually here's your comic books brought to life. Here's your, you know, different versions. So this is like an Elseworlds, kind of... Elseworlds tale on its own. So, I mean, there are there are big chunks of the film I, I like and enjoy, and I have watched it multiple times and will continue to. But I, I think that it's it's one of those that was, for me, it was a sour note for the trilogy, especially after The Dark Knight, which I thought was immense. It just didn't quite know how to land, I think. And to your point about a closed story, um, the two issues I have with that is, firstly, one of the last scenes is, uh, you should use your real name, yeah. Dick. Uh, that was a great line. Opening up the <laughs> kind of Robin. So you're meant to believe that he's going to take up the mantle of Batman. We're just not going to see it. Um, and secondly, the reason you're not going to see Bruce Wayne as Batman anymore is because he's found love and retired, which obviously is completely different to the last time that he retired. But he's also retired and come out of retirement once before. So. You know, the fact that he's living happily ever after over there doesn't mean anything because in five years he's going to strap on a different knee brace <laughs> and off he goes again. I mean, he, he's he got all of those skills and he's very much able to, and he's with Catwoman, so he's got all of that. But his reason for fighting seems to have closed. Uh, and yeah, so so yeah, you can walk away with, right, It's it's been handed off and Robin is now going to, you know, anyone can wear the mask. It's, it's that thing, right? Mm. Um, or Or maybe no one needs to. And I guess that was explored better in, it was certainly explored better in Dark Knight. And that's why Dark Knight is a tighter film of actually, you know, does the world need Batman? There was that great conversation with um, Harvey, Bruce and uh, Rachel Dawes um, at dinner when Bruce, you know, puts the tables yeah. together and they talk about uh, the emperor at the gates and all of that kind of stuff. We brought Batman into place. You know, there was, that was much better presented. And I think this was just kind of, uh, and it, uh, and it, Prolonging the understanding that the Joker is a reaction to the Batman because he's kind of kicked open the doors of of crazy and you know that kind of thing. So he's now attracting that kind of villain to come. So he creates his his rogues gallery in essence because you know he's he's blurred that line between myth and reality and beyond. Um, that was in Begins where, where Gordon pointed that out, you know. I, I loved that way he talked about the escalation. You do, we, we, get, uh, we get bulletproof vests, they get armor-piercing bullets. Mm. Yeah, and then someone's yeah. leaving a calling card. Yeah, so that I, I really liked. But at the same time, Joker was such a perfect character because it was this kind of weird force of nature that just cuts through the films at almost like random points, it, it, you know, without a, a, an arc, just kind of... And it's almost, you know... I don't know. It, it's bigger than a reaction to Batman. I feel like I feel like Joker itself is, is a is this entity in on itself that Batman happened to be there to kind of combat at the time. And certainly, you know, uh, R.I.P. Heath Ledger. And, and if he had survived, I think we would have had a very different ending to the Nolan trilogy. It certainly would have been Joker carrying yeah. on. Hmm. I believe you and I are destined to do this for. Mm. Yeah. Sadly, not the case. But, um, you know, it, 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 I think there were some really good um, films in all. And even with uh, the sins of, of um, uh, Rises, uh, I think it's uh, a, a really good story. And one of the reasons why I think Batman became 
such an interesting character to convert to a computer game and to follow through the Arkham series, um, which uh, was a really successful uh, port of a superhero franchise onto uh, a computer game series. Um, however, they've not always been so great. So um, to align with the launch of PlayStation 5 uh, earlier this week, um, I uh, had a chat with Haz from Grief Burrito about uh, some of the best and not so great uh, representations of uh, superheroes in computer games. So we throw over to past Jay to hear his conversation with Haz. Thank you, future Jay. And uh, yes, so the PlayStation 5 was finally launched, sort of, um, last week. Uh, and in a sizzle reel of various games involving nothing to do with pricing or actual availability, one of the games on front and center was Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, a follow-up to the PlayStation-exclusive Spider-Man game on PS4. Um, and to see a superhero game be getting such attention, such love, being one of the launch titles is uh, very, very cool, but hasn't always been the case with some of the superhero games really not being that great. So to talk about uh, that and uh, computer games in general, uh, we have uh, the author of one of my favorite podcast lines of 2020, um, when in the, 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 the um, uh, game trailer episode of his podcast grief burrito uh he declared hype me daddy uh, <laughs> uh with us is uh has how you doing taz i'm very good thank you for having me dude uh yeah hype me daddy made me legit laugh out loud as i was walking down the road you got me some very funny <laughs> looks going to sainsbury's yeah we're trying to make it as ridiculous as we can every episode <laughs> it works for me so i was more than happy um so um thanks for joining us um as I said, you know, Spider-Man's considered uh, a huge success, but that and Batman really kind of were the two that really kind of started moving in the right direction. They were, yeah. um, From your opinion, what are some of the, the really kind of god-awful, waste-of-a-license superhero games that jump out to you? <laughs> I think from my generation, the first game that probably comes to mind is probably Superman 64. I don't know if oh, you're aware of that. it's a classic. <laughs> It's one of T's favourite games, and I don't know if he means it ironically. We'll find out. Really? Oh, it's got to be one of those things like it's a bad movie just to laugh at, I think. That's probably why it might be a favourite. It, was... it is. It's um, difficult to make a Superman game for the same reasons it's difficult to make a Superman film. But, um, yeah, it, was, it, it didn't work, did yeah, it? Yeah, there's, there's no real risk if you're Superman because you can't really die, take damage or anything like that. I mean, they sort of went, uh, went by it in probably the the best way they could at the time but it was essentially just fly through hoops man it's known for like it's awful controls <laughs> and it's equally awful visuals the ground i like i don't know if you've played it yourself or seen anything from it for any listeners who haven't it's essentially the ground is just a flat texture and every now and then there'll be a building but the developers use some weird insane amount of ground fog to cover i don't know if they were covering the draw distance or it's just to cover how bad the game actually looked but it's just, it's awful. It's so bad. 
And it's really weird because it's the it's the um, Warner Brothers animation style because that's you know when when is, yeah. the, the adventures of Batman and and then the Superman cartoon were really kind of coming in. So it was it was a real crest of yeah, they, popularity they were, they were of the character. Great. Yeah, the the that, that Superman yeah. cartoon I have in my head like the image etched where he does he lift up the, the train when it says he's stronger than a bullet train he lifts it up and it was like yeah. a really nicely shaded image like uh it was almost like art deco like 50s style wasn't it to remember yeah yeah and and i mean to your point about the difficulty of the character they had a weekly episodic tv show where they put him in jeopardy and got him to overcome it every single time yeah but can't use any of those plots to for a computer game instead let's just fluff you through some hoops i don't know who thought flying through hoops was a good idea works for sonic yeah well yeah i suppose it kind of does <laughs> maybe they, they got to the point where it was so hard to nail down controls moving from a 2d to a 3d world like maybe they had a year to make the game and nine months in they'd only just got him to fly properly and it's like well all we've got time to do now is hoops and that was it <laughs> it was it was um yeah, brutal. Have you got any others on your list of um, games to, to avoid? Uh, bad ones from the earlier generation. Because I, I, I had a NES when I was a kid, so we, we sort of traded games between my dad's friends and a couple of my friends who had them. But there was a Silver Surfer game for the, the Nintendo Entertainment System. And it was a <laughs> side-scrolling shooter where you just faced off against enemies that killed you in one hit. And like I get that games back then were supposed to be challenging, but with the control scheme of that like tiny little square controller NES had... It was just a trial of commitment, and I could just never, ever do it. I, I have that as a ROM. Oh, really? Um, uh, yeah, so I... Um, I believe, yeah? Oh, completely, obviously. Um, found at LegalROM.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's not aged any better. Even, even with that kind of retro nostalgia you get from NES games, yeah. It's, yeah, it's still, yeah, brutal. One to avoid, I think. I think so, <laughs> which is more than you could do for the enemy's bullets. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you could definitely <laughs> not. What about some of your best? What's the ones that really kind of hit the mark for uh, you? It is weird. When I sat down to think about this, um, when you sent the notes over, I, I struggled to think if this game was actually in the superhero genre, but it's a game called Crackdown. Have you heard of it? Yeah. So Crackdown, yeah, again, was... for any listeners that are unfamiliar, it's essentially an open world city game. Sort of, It's in the game style of like GTA and Saints Row, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and the, the developers kind of lent heavily into the comedy and wacky action genre. And you play as a specialist police agent who you can upgrade with new combats and skills. Um, when, when you played it, dude, what did you find to be the most fun parks? I'm curious to see if it's the same as mine. Um, just the outlandishness, I think, for me. It was just kind of the the weirdness of what you could get into, I think. Yeah, and like escaping across the city. So, like, I think the the weird part for me that I found most fun was collecting the agility orbs. Do you remember <laughs> that? It was just like a green glowing orb that floats around the top of various buildings across the map. And all they do is when you collect them, they just grant you more XP to jump higher, to go further, to collect more orbs. <laughs> but bounding across a city from like a hundred story building to the next hundred story building, it was just insanely fun. It made you feel powerful. It made you, the, it just connected you with the immersion because you could do anything absolutely freely. And that's the sort of where it runs next to into Spider-Man, which is, which you said earlier. Yeah. Spider-Man started for me on the Sega Mega Drive and a friend of mine had that because I never actually owned a Sega. 
but I remember swinging from the, the webs on like the 2D screen and just sort of jankily climbing up the buildings in the background in 2D. <laughs> and then it went to Spider-Man on the PS- PS1 and to Spider-Man 2 on the GameCube, which sort of honed those parts and brought in the free roam abilities. And then that's what they seem to be building on with the new Spider-Man as well for the PS4, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And it is, it's, it's, I was trying to explain to um, uh, one of my friends who, who albeit, although is a gamer and a comic fan, yeah. for some reason Spider-Man's never really worked for him. And I don't know whether it's because PTSD from previous superhero Maybe. games. Um, but you, you do feel like Spider-Man. I mean, the swinging through the city does kind of have this kind of freeing, back to your crackdown point, it's really kind of freeing feel to it. It does. And I don't know if it's because it's, such a familiar setting that we're all aware of because with superman if you're flying you're kind of flying in the sky it it feels very disconnected from the world that we're used to whereas spider-man feels grounded because he's swinging through the streets of new york like you see taxis you see hot dog stands you see people buying newspapers that kind of stuff and that's all stuff that we're used to seeing anyway so maybe it's just because it's it's far outside of reality but still not far enough if you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I mean, you're dodging cars, even though technically you don't really need yes, to, yeah. but still. <laughs> uh, I actually have a bit of a prediction for you. Um, going Go into the announcement for the Miles Morales game. So on Grief Brito, we're known for doing our Brito predictions. And for like 95%, we've been pretty accurate, which is really weird and kind of interesting. Um, but aside from that, I think in the next one for the PS5, we might see an online multiplayer. Because you've got these two different Spider-Mans basically swinging around the city. So can you imagine how good that would be to do it with a friend? Yeah. It would be amazing. I mean, that's not a bad shout because, you know, we were talking last week on Geeking In about uh, Spider-Verse 2 being into production. And, you know, with that concept, which is in the Spider-Man games, because you have all of the different suits and characters and everything as, as kind of collectibles... You, you, you're not far away from introducing the Spider-Verse notion, in which case you could have multiple players all being a different version of Spider-Man in the same yeah, context. Yeah, totally should. That would be such an interesting avenue to go down. Because, I mean, the Spider-Verse and even the cartoon that I used to watch on like Fox Kids when I was in the 90s, even that brought into the yeah. Spider-Verse. You had Madame Web that worked with Doctor Strange as well. He even popped up and so did yeah. Iron Man. But to bring that into the games, I think, because you could start even doing like class built Spider Man. You know, so one of them is cloaked, one can do electricity like Miles Morales. You've got the regular Spider Man who could be faster and swing further. You could do a stronger Spider Man from like, was it Spider Man 2049 or am I thinking of Blade Runner? I don't know. 99. Yeah, yeah. there was something where there was a few. Both. So, so T's going to love the Blade Runner reference because he's got 27 copies of the same yeah. film. <laughs> um, but uh, no, 2099. But yes. And you can even bring in Venom. Yeah, bring and you're right. Venom. Have a big, strong Spider-Man. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good shout. I, I, I mean, I don't know if, if it's... It, I, I don't know with something that good whether it's that you're predicting something they've already done or they're going to listen to that and, and yeah, take it forward. Because that is, that, that's the power of this podcast, obviously. We've got the sway to so many. I know we do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I think they missed a trick personally with not bringing the other multiverse into the film universes as well. Because there was that famous poster that someone yeah. made, wasn't there, with Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and um, what's the new kid called? 
Tom Holland. That's Tom Holland. He's my favourite yeah. one, and I forgot. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's because you see him only yeah, as Peter Parker. That's it. He's living the character. Even, even um, Stan Lee <laughs> said he was the best Spider-Man, didn't he? He said he was perfect for it. And if you get like the, the blessing from Stan Lee, I think that's it. You've made it, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of that's because he doesn't look like a 35-year-old man playing a high school well, kid. Yeah. But that's Hollywood for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I mean, even, and I know this is way away from computer games, but even the fact that he does gymnastics, yeah. so could carry himself and, and kind of do those kind of simple flips in, I think added so much to kind of like the very flat footed kind of thump of the guy that's meant to be doing all these flips and trips all across New York and then just kind of lands incredibly flat footed on, on yeah, to the ground. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I definitely think that, that the Spider-Man game's got a huge amount of potential and, and moving forward. you got any wishes for, um, the, the, the long rumored new Arkham game? I haven't because the Ar- Arkham is a series that's kind of eluded me. I've only played, I think I played a little bit of the first one, uh, which I couldn't really get into, and I don't know why. I don't know if it was because of the setting where I was playing it. I wasn't playing it on my own. I was um, I was at a games con, so it was set up on a console. Right. So when I was playing, there was sort of hundreds of people bustling around. So I kind of, maybe I couldn't concentrate on what I was doing. Uh, and because it had sort of plopped me in at a random part in the world, I, I didn't really know <laughs> what the focus was. Um, and where, yeah. where free roam it's like there's two factors to, to games that I think are really good for superhero games one is being free roam is excellent like we said like the the freedom to experience the world as a superhero and not like a regular person does is great and the tone is probably the second thing so tone is hugely important in games if you're not creating a cohesive experience then all the skills and abilities that you've you've made are going to fall flat against the world that doesn't match it or the gameplay or the character that you're playing as and i i can really appreciate that the arkham games did that for the batman series because it's pretty much nailed it it's it's exactly like the old batman cartoon Mm. or the comics that you see or the tone that uh, was it michael schumacher was trying to go for in the early batman films with the bat nipples um (laughs) <laughs> these guys did it a lot better in the games but it, it's just something that's eluded me i didn't actually know there was a new one coming out it's it's strongly right. rumored is is still being kind of talked about but um yeah we wait and see we now that we've got the ps5 announced and uh the xbox uh, s series is x. it series s yeah is is will be shortly after um we'll probably see more slowly but as it won't be a ps5 exclusive then i I don't think it was included in the original lineup but we shall wait and see all the stuff we have to kind of um speculate on as we didn't get e3 i I think it's weird that a lot of the things they included with the ps5 uh a lot of the trailers anyway as far as i'm aware maybe 50 percent of those aren't going to be sony exclusives are they Mm. i don't know yeah i mean i suppose you have to kind of bump it out if you're not going to do i mean it was a long old it was, yeah, reveal it really was when when your 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 final kind of thing is the the, the wi-fi router yeah. looking it, it definitely did look like a wi-fi router the best one i saw today was it looks like a cat <laughs> it's like a cat sat on a shelf and then someone's drawn a tail on it and put a face on it and it, it's i've shared it on instagram this morning it's absolutely great uh you see that might be opening itself up to a whole new market of, yeah, of cat ladies who could and maybe that's the Venn diagram. Yeah, well, my, my girlfriend, for. she's she's a PlayStation gamer. Uh, I sway more towards Xbox just because I've never owned a PlayStation. I, I don't really stand by for like the tribal uh, Xbox or PlayStation. I'll play either if it's got good games. 
it it mainly fell down to yeah. the Xbox for me because I prefer the controller. Like I'm quite a giant person, and the PlayStation controller always seems tiny, and the joysticks are in a weird place for me. Um, so I prefer the, the triggers are still very weird are, on yeah. PlayStation. I was I was Xbox for number one and 360, and then came across to PlayStation because my brother was on PlayStation right, and okay. multiplayer. Yeah. Um, so that was that was kind of my movement across. But um, yeah, I mean, it is. It's very much about you know where are the licenses, where yeah. are the games, and See, with um, that, my girlfriend you know, wants to buy a PlayStation when... 5 and I'll probably buy a Series X and we've got a Switch. So it's, you know, we'll hopefully have a house full of stuff. Covered. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that, as, yeah. as it should be, as it was. As, yeah. Single-handedly saving the so, economy. You see, that's a good economy. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you've talked about, you know, your, your Xbox and uh, the PlayStation there. What's your favorite console and favorite game of all time time. um my favorite game it's it's pretty hard to nail down i think in my early life it was probably the legend of zelda majora's mask on the n64 uh mainly because it was weird like this weird twisted mirror version of your experience in ocarina of time and the stories from that game and its weird visuals and thematic tones really stuck with me um just because of how strange it is like it's 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 a very scary game especially when you're a kid if you're used to playing something like ocarina of time which is very kid friendly i'd say other than probably the last bit where you fight ganondorf um going into like a time loop of three days where the moon is going to crush a town and kill absolutely everyone you know (laughs) on repeat until until the end of time that's a pretty dark game really um in adolescence, <laughs> after that, I went on to having a GameCube, so it'd probably be the Metroid Prime series, particularly the second in the trilogy, which is called Echoes. And it's because of like you have this weird fractured planet that got hit by a meteorite, and you can warp between dark and light versions of the planet, um, which I love the duality of that. And then going into probably the past generation to now, it was probably the Dark Souls series, particularly the first and third one, I think. Mm. Um, just with the world building and the challenge, it's like you don't really get the same challenge as you do from that like you did from old games anymore and like it's a breath of fresh angry air no. to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it kind is, of rule yeah, one you yeah, shall yeah, die on the lot. second one that's actually <laughs> the first achievement you get when you die it's just welcome to dark souls which i thought that was a really like nice meta achievement <laughs> um and my favorite console Yes, it, that's a hard pin up between the N64 and the GameCube. Like, I still stand by that the GameCube controller mm. is one of the most ergonomic controllers that has ever existed. To the extent that I'm actually modding some yep. at the moment, so I can use them with my laptop to play older games with. So, like, I, I'm I'm going to be streaming this tomorrow, modding one of the actual controls. If you want to stop by and say hello, it'd be nice to chat again to you. Oh, amazing, yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, I I think yeah. I'd go N64 just because of. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I I still have an N64. It's it's I'm staring at the moment and it's it's dusty as hell. But um, but yeah, there's something about it, and it's kind of you know, the first the first console I remember falling. I mean, my dad had a an Atari seventy six hundred and things like that, and played on all of those. But the first console I remember falling in love with was um, yeah, the yeah. Super Nintendo, um, and then the N sixty four just kind of took that to, to such like a high level for me that same so thing, i think right? i think in my whole i'm literally sat under my desk at the moment <laughs> there are a stack of 15 atari games mint in box that were my dad's that i found the other day um because it was the same he had an atari <laughs> and then we moved on to nintendo we actually had the nes instead of the snares but we borrowed a snares and then he bought an n64 for us all which i actually found the receipt for the other day 
um, in in like a little booklet wow. that's even got a magazine about all the new games coming out. Um, I think we got the master pack of the N64 that came with, I think we got GoldenEye, Super Mario 64, the console, and what else did it come with? It might have been Lilac Wars because it came with the Rumble pack. I mean, that's that's a pretty yeah, much all you need to start with really well. and I for an N64, like, isn't it? Sat on his knee while he started uh, Ocarina of Time, and we played through the first, you know the cutscene when Navi is flying through the forest to find Link. God, that just yeah. that started me off on games, and that was what started the addiction. I think. <laughs> so it's our father's fault. Um, absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for coming and speaking to us. Now that uh, our listeners have fallen in love with your silky tones and your suave views, uh, you can find where can they get more of you? So iTunes, Podchaser, uh, any other podcatcher app, which is just at Grief Burrito. We're at Grief Burrito on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Scent absolutely everywhere and if you want to send anything into us feel free to go to griefburrito at gmail.com and yeah we'll chat to you there superb thank you very much um and now we we travel into the future in time and hand back to future jay thank you past jay for that interview and thank you again to has from grief burrito for stopping in and having a conversation with us uh really really excellent points and uh, an excellent podcast to listen to um so yeah some really good stuff there about some of the the the, the gaming sins and the gaming greats especially linked to the playstation 5 launch uh what were some of your favorites what were some of the games that would have made your list of uh, either do not plays or love to plays uh, for me, uh, Need for Speed. I love uh, racing games. Um, but before I get into that, what a great interview. Thank you very much, Haz. Um, great points. Um, absolutely riveting re- um, listening. Um, yeah, so Need for Speed, uh, the franchise, um, superb. I first bought into them uh, on the PS3. Um, and now I've got my PS4 Pro. I'm still into them. Love racing games. Um, so yeah, that that would be my definite one of my favourite um, games to go to. Uh, I'm enjoying Mortal Kombat, as you all know, <laughs> at the moment. Um, so I can't put that down. Um, so yeah, and that was an interesting one because Mortal Kombat's become genre, really, hasn't it? I mean, that's that's mm. that's taken so many geeky pop culture kind of characters and and brought it in you know we had um jason in one of the previous ones um this yeah. one has joker and robocop and terminator yeah. and terminator absolutely yeah um yeah it's it's, it's all great fun uh, for me um storylines are important um so i i love to see the game grow i just don't like games that you can't get into um and that's one of the reasons you know for me i think there's a fine line between gameplay and storyline um and you know successful games have to find that line to walk um i think that's quite interesting so the um it's probably in the venn diagram of fans of Beat 'em ups and racing games, and fans of um, you know sort of storylines that overlap. I imagine is quite small. 
but Mortal Kombat certainly has a really, really engaging story. I think it's, it's, a, it's a cool concept, uh, and how it's developed over eleven games now. I think I think it's pretty awesome, especially with the whole time jumping it, going back in, mm. and sort of fan base. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I haven't played a Mortal Kombat game since like, MK9, I think, but I've been reading the wiki. Like, I'm so interested in the story. I just <laughs> what's happening in that world. <laughs> Uh, just watch the cutscenes on YouTube. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. I'm obsessed with that stuff actually, uh, because it, oh, yeah. the characters are so interesting, aren't they? Sorry, yeah. yeah, I mean, so for me, the, the, the one about um, gameplay is an interesting one because I know that um, for me, that storyline is is one of the big things that I love. Um, but I love single player more than online multiplayer whereas uh my brother is very different and he will he will very rarely play a single player campaign he is all about the online mm. so he has lived online with red dead redemption 2 but hasn't done anything of the story i have done the story continue to go back and do the story um, because I'm nowhere near complete on it, um, but have never gone online on it. So it, it is interesting how that that now kind of is quite a, a schism between those that wish to, you know, you have that, that gaming experience usually online um, and the storyline experience. I don't think I've ever played a game online properly. No, uh, yeah, I stopped playing the last console I think I had was a PS3, which I know had online connection, but the flat we lived in had terrible internet, so we never got into it. Um, I was a big uh, Assassin's Creed fan, and I, I think it was a, oh, Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood. So mm. the second, the sequel within the trilogy sequel, whatever, uh, was mostly around online, and that was really disappointing to me because I was just there going, I, I, I'm not here for that. I want that single, that kind of original yeah. story. Um, and even with multiplayer, I, I, this is me being really old-fashioned and old-school, but you know, I, I want to be in the room. So I like, so like you, uh, be, I do like the beat-em-ups, but I like being next to someone you know, actually seeing the the pain on their face or them seeing the pain on mine as they destroy as we destroy one another on screen. Um, but that might be uh, the future of PS games. You know, um, electric shocks. As you, <laughs> you can literally see the pain thought, on your face. <laughs> I thought you were going to go for like like video cams so you can see people as you're talking, like picture in picture. But I, I did not imagine that you were going for for. Synaptic feedback. Electric shock probe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it puts a whole new world to the dual shock, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think in, in your interview with, with Haz, you picked up some really, really interesting ideas um, uh, around what, what genre games work and what don't. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's a really interesting topic anyway. So you mentioned there a Superman game is, is just hard to make as a concept. Uh, and then has sort of talked about how uh, Spider-Man works because it's New York and it's a really familiar zone. Um, I mean, I remember mm. visiting in person, visiting Manhattan for the first time, and it was weirdly surreal because it just felt like I'm on a movie set um, mm. because I've seen it in so many movies and films and uh, and computer games. Um, so there, there's something to think about, I think, around what superheroes are adaptable into games um, and what just won't work at all. 
Uh, and I think there's something around actually just thinking about what game already exists, but it's not your character. Uh, so if you were to think like um, Assassin's Creed, you set that in a city uh, and you put a cowl and a cape on and that's your Batman game, right? That's someone jumping through rooftops and, and fighting and stuff. Uh, and that very much yeah. turned into, into, it's very similar to um, the Arkham games. I cannot think of a Superman equivalent game that already exists where the mechanics are there as a Superman game or a Flash game. Uh, a Flash game means something else, doesn't it? But <laughs> a Wally West, Barry Allen Flash game uh, where you think, right, all this needs is um, red tights on a person. Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. So the old platformers, I guess. You yeah. know, Super Mario covers more, is faster than Sonic the Hedgehog. Really? I think it, game theory, I think, did a thing on it where they tried to work out the size of Mario and the size of Sonic and how much game, they, how much land they covered over time. And Mario was way faster than Sonic, it turns out. Wow. Um, but no, to your point, you, you're right. I mean, I can't think of a game equivalent of Superman off the top of my head where you you play with that kind of element. And how how immersive is a game where you're running fast and doing things fast. Um, yeah. So it's, it's trying to find that balance between, isn't it? So, so again, I, I think we can think, so you can think, all right, uh, a real world setting works really well. So the Marvel heroes, I mm. think, work, work quite well. Um, there are games with superhero powers in there. Uh, infamous uh, one, two, and I think maybe, maybe there's a third one, actually. Um, yeah, you know, you, you developed your powers as you grew. And then there was, um, uh, I think it was called Prototype, Prodigy, something something like that, where you just had insane type, yeah. And then you just had insane powers. Uh, and that's probably as close as you got to kind of a DC-level superhero where you could just, you know, zoom through the city, just fly through the city all over the place, um, and you were pretty indestructible throughout. Um, so you, you, I think there's something around thinking, what, what superhero does that fit into? Who could be that character, or 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 with with be with sort of Mortal Kombat, you know, just go a whole different route. I mean, Mortal Kombat found a way for you to have Superman and Joker fighting on screen at the same time, and and Joker winning, and it sort of worked yeah. with. Uh, uh, nice. I think it was the the was the their very kind of science techno babble answer was um, nanites that that kind of equalised the strength. So what do you think? What's the game? What's the hero that you've not seen in a game that you think you'd like to see that you think would work? Wow. That's a tough question, isn't it? Or, or I'd flip it around. Who would you not want to see? What do you think would just could never work? Has there, been any, has there been an Incredible Hulk game? There have there been some awful ones, yeah. Yeah, there have. Um, I... Because there's an Avengers game due out fairly soon, which will yeah, be interesting right. to see how that mechanics work. Um, and, and you know, some of the best versions of superhero games, I think, are some of the Lego games because they take parts of their powers and then kind of soften them slightly. So, you know, if you're Superman in, in one of the, the Lego games, you can still fly. Um, doesn't mean you can get everywhere, but you can still fly. And, you know, you can do, like, heat vision to melt certain blocks and all the rest of it, but it's, it plays within the, the mechanics of that kind of squad-based style. Everyone has their actions element 
So everyone has their weaknesses element rather than that one overarching, I can do everything piece. Um, so in that sense, you could do something like a Fantastic Four game where between the four of them, you, you have to do different parts of the level pieces to, to work through. Uh, similar to what, uh, you know, one of my favourite versions of a, of a superhero game with Ultimate Alliance games. Um, yeah, just thinking of those ones when you said Avengers. Uh, but again, you could you could you built your crew through class systems of you could have your Hulk or your thing as your bruiser, and then you've got your your more agile guy or your your your, your ranged attack or your melee attack. Or so you can kind of build them up a little bit more. Um, and again, so you know, Fantastic Four in theory does that quite well. Um, as for games that I wouldn't want, you know, the, 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 the Flash ones feels quite formulaic, unless it's a racing game, what are you doing? Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, do, I, I think there's something you could possibly do with a Superman game, but you'd have to try and work out how you soften it. And not even to the point of, you know, a, an enemy that can cause him harm, but... Um, what's to stop you if, if it's a sandbox open world kind of game what's to stop you just flying off into space so how well, the equipment like cloud obviously as we've learned from the seminal superman 64 <laughs> obviously <laughs> yeah but it is it's that you need you need the MacGuffins that yeah. sandbox to a certain size and spider-man it's just he can't swim that far and yeah, you know, that bit too far out of reach, and the bridges are closed. Um, but you've got a big enough space to to play with Spider Man. If you can travel at the speed of sound, so you could, in theory, get from one side of the map to the other in in seconds. What's you know so fast that you can spin round the world reverse time? What's what's why would you stop there? So it is. It's that kind of how do you build that? And is it something like? Um, uh, you know, do you make it more story driven, like something like Jedi Fallen Order, where again you've got that scaling up of powers as you go, mm. but you need to be at a certain level to do the next bit because otherwise you just can't jump that high, or you can't, you don't have that skill to to run on that ball or whatever else. Um, but yeah, it would be. It, uh, I think a squad based game like Guardians of the Galaxy or uh, Fantastic Four. Guardians is a good shout as well. Yeah. What about you, B? Yeah, I think Guardians is a good shout. Um, I don't know. Fantastic Four has never really grabbed me, um, both in terms of characters, movies, uh, comics, uh, or games. Um, <laughs> Kill them um, all. Just in general, just <laughs> nothing ever. Um, I, I quite like to see a Hulk game. Um, I Hulk think, done well. Yeah, um, really well. Um, I mean, you know, you've had... Um, I played um, X-Men on, on um, uh, PlayStation before. Um, that was certainly interesting. But again, that was, um, you know, a beat-em-up. Um, I'm, I'm quite into the story games at the moment. Um Battlefront's a great game. Um, I don't know something involving space. So that, yeah, I, I think Guardians is a good shout. Um, Guardians is a great shout, and I think one of the things that makes it quite cool is um, 
despite the film, they're still sort of unknown characters, and especially if you're going to use the comic yeah. Guardians. Because uh, I think that's what you need from it, from the game. Uh, you, all right, you're not going to ha- sell the, the discs, I say discs, the, the, the downloads immediately because it's not Batman or Spider-Man, but at least it's a character you can sort of see grow and develop. Probably this is part of my bias towards the C-level superheroes coming out. Uh, but, you know, I think that's what I want to see. So, a character, uh, B, you talked about Spider-Woman mm. last week or the week before. Yeah. Someone like that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, and and someone who's sort of figuring out their powers as you go through. You could do a, a, a Miss Marvel, sort of, you know, very new to her powers and, and, and learning as she goes. Um, and you'd have I, to, think I think there's something... Lines in the new Avengers game, I think, is very much about Miss Marvel being driven in that. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. That's, that's the stuff that I think works. I think, you know, uh, uh, you have to grow with the character as your powers yeah. increase, as you learn. And that's the reason for you getting more powerful. You, know, you don't know that you've got this until you've got this. Uh, and you get to see that kind of superhero world through their eyes a little bit. I think it's quite nice. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the thing that would just never work um, is probably Green Lantern, something where you have to, you can just create things from scratch. Uh, Although in in my in my other work in my other role where I'm not a full time podcaster, uh, mm-hmm. one of the things I talk about is um you know what professions would exist in the future that don't exist at all now. Superheroes. Uh, you know. Well, superhero, sure, that's that's optimistic. I think, um, <laughs> but certainly things like um, uh, virtual world designers, uh, you know, actually create virtual architects and and things like that will be. Um, huge profession so there may be kind of concepts that come with that that could create something in the future so you might actually get a really amazing green lantern game uh one day many many years from now but for now yeah i I think unknown heroes that's a good shout i think uh a known location or something with force limits on a spaceship or being you know sectors of space would be one or being in new york would be another those things would make good games as well So bring us a Guardians of the Galaxy in New York, but we don't really know them very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that Otherwise, could be... Sorry, go on. No, go on. I was going to say it would be called Guardians of New York then in that case, would it be? Guardians of New York, yeah. Didn't they have the... God, New York is so populated with superheroes. It's, it's a great place to set a game because you constantly see, oh yeah, Iron Man's like, oh yeah, Fantastic world building. Mm. There you go, Guardians of Surrey. Hey. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think that it is. I mean, uh, the the obvious one is you create an excellent game, and the characters will come from that rather than porting in the characters and hoping that they pull a certain amount. So, if you had that, um, you know. those those dynamics and those those actions that you can then kind of grow your character through, like um, uh, prototype and and the ones that we're talking there, you know maybe you, you you drag them in and they become the character because you're growing with them and you're learning the skills with them, um, rather than having to port it across. But it is it's trying to work out how you boil it down to its core its core drive, I think. And, and something like Guardians, I think, is fairly easy because your absolute world beater, just super OP'd heroes just aren't in the lineup. So, you know, yeah. Adam Warlock just isn't in the lineup. And you can do far more kind of the basic level um, so that you can't just kind of go and I press the button and everyone just 
evaporates. And you could have someone like, you know, Adam Warlock or uh, Nova or something as non-playable characters who you meet or whatever else. Um, but yeah, they don't actually have to be part of the, 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 the team in the same sort of way. I think the other thing is being really comfortable with the sort of Elseworlds setup of a game. You know, it doesn't have to be the characters you know and love. Certainly when I watched the trailer for the Avengers game, there was a minute where I sort of went, oh, whoa, Black Widow isn't Scarlett Johansson's face. No. Uh, and that's not just me wanting to see more of Scarlett Johansson's face, um, but because it was treading that kind of line between a little bit of the MCU, a little bit of the comics, a little bit of here and there, uh, and my brain kind of wasn't sitting on where where this was. And that I'm quite happy for it to be a very different yeah, interpretation. I'm, I'm waiting with interest to see what that game's like, because that the, the, the design of the characters not being... The MCU design did did kind of shock me. It kind of it, it was a it was a weird sensation watching an Avengers game, but not the Avengers we're used to. Um, so it's not just that it's not Scarlett Johansson's face or uh, Chris Evans' face or Tony Stark, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s voice. They are designed and they look very different. And so that was a little bit of weird, which is odd because I've grown up with them with so many different looks through the comics and so many different artist interpretations through the comics and through and through cartoons and through whatever that, you know, that shouldn't bother it for whatever reason. It really kind of, yeah, it kind of, it wasn't, it was, there was a bit of friction when I first watched it, not like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, but part of that is credit to, uh, I think, you know, performances like RDJ, who just made it the iconic view. Uh, and, you know, if you pick up an Iron Man comic today and it doesn't sound a little bit like RDJ, you're going to feel like, oh, this writer doesn't get it, as opposed to this writer's read, you know, 70 odd years worth of comics and boiled it down. No, absolutely. And how did you feel about um, uh, Haz's burrito prediction? of uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales potentially having a multiplayer. Hey. Uh, I'd absolutely love it. Yeah, Sorry I was going to say, exciting. I, I played Spider-Man. Um, I'm currently saving up for my PS5. It may take a few years, but I'll get there. <laughs> well, dep- depends on how many T-shirts well, we sell, obviously. Not that we make any money from this uh, at all, T. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, we could do it. It's just we'd have to price them at such a point that no one would buy them anyway. So exactly. it seems a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's a great concept. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not a big online player. Um, I, I have dabbled and I tried um, hand on heart to get into Fortnite, and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it, it's certainly an interesting concept. For, um, for me, it's always a storyline that, that holds key. I love playing a game for the storyline. Yeah. yeah, and actually, when, when you said multiplayer, it didn't occur to my old-fashioned brain that you meant online. I was thinking someone with player 2 controller <laughs> next to me playing it together on a split screen. <laughs> Which obviously is I mean, not it how it be. would work. It, it could well be um, like that. I mean, yeah, it would make sense in a in a massive. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little barrier for me to get over that 
um, yeah, get over that barrier of online gaming and, and kind of embrace it. So there is something cool about the three of us all swinging around New York at the same time and sort of agreeing to go meet at the Baxter building to solve a mission together or something. That sounds awesome. I would agree. Um, we watch with interest. We wait to see what the, the future holds with uh, PS5, either with or without optical drive, um, when they finally tell us when it's coming out and how much money it is. Um, but I think wherever we go, I think that we will see that computer games and comic book characters uh, are going to be hand in hand, especially genre characters. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons was, was just announced um, so, so, so yeah, we shall see that soon as well. Uh, a five-on-five fighter-based Star Wars game based just after Return of the Jedi. Um, so that one I'm looking forward to as well. Um, but speaking of looking forward to, let's tell uh, our friends about some stuff that we they can look forward to and read whilst they wait for us to return to Geek In again um, in the recommendations segment that we have. So... Um, T, what's your recommendation for the week? Uh, I'm going to go with a, a novel called Armada. So this is rich, this is the follow-up novel by Ernest Klein, who wrote uh, Ready Player One. This is the one afterwards. It's um, it's essentially about uh, a guy who plays computer games, and those computer games, those skills in gaming, will need him to save the world in real life. Uh, which is a which is a story I've made times before, but it's just really it's a fun little book. You pick it up. It's a really light read. Um, so if you're just looking for a bit of fun, a bit of distraction, a, a real easy read. I mean, it sort of reads like a YA novel. It might actually be a YA novel. I think about it. Um, I say Armada. A lot of fun. Uh, some light reading. A bit of sci-fi for you. Really good. And, and I was a big fan of. Um, I've not read Armada, but I was a big fan of uh, Ready Player One. Um, I even liked the film. I, I didn't think I was going to like the film because of so much uh, content and so many kind of references in the book. I didn't think it was going to be able to be done in the film, but I think they did quite a good uh, job of it. It still amazes me the film got made. It still amazes me the film got made that it could even exist at all. Yeah, yeah. Great movie. B, what's your recommendation? Um, so I'm going to continue on the gaming theme. Um so my recommendation this week, if you haven't played it, go out and play Injustice, Gods Among Us. Um, we talked about Superman um, computer games. Um, I think this worked really well. Um, not going to spoil it. It's got a really interesting storyline, uh, really great gameplay, um, and worth nineteen ninety nine all day, every day. <laughs> This is this is the DC heroes in Mortal Kombat, basically. It's made it? by the same people, yes. Because <laughs> they had that. I think they did DC versus they, Mortal Kombat, where you had you know Scorpion fighting Superman, and then they did just the DC one on it, its own, yes. right? <laughs> I've got that game. <laughs> yeah, no, that's such a great recommendation, and the story. It's, a, it's that same thing about having an Elseworlds type of story. It's such an interesting mm. story. There was a spin-off comic from that. It was a web comic, yeah, digital comic, um, yeah. a digital comic. Yeah, so they did that and and Smallville season twenty five or whatever it was at the same time, uh, and just a really great wacky read. Nothing, nothing in depth, nothing too heavy, but just kind of madness, just pure madness to throw at you. I think Injustice went on for because Injustice two had a comic as yeah, well, and yeah. I think that was a printed comic. Uh, 
great things have come off the injustice concept entirely. I think that's a great recommendation. And I think we'll continue to. I, I don't think we've seen the last of injustice. I hope not. Um, so I think we can see more. Um, my recommendation of the week is a free comic book. If you check Comixology or your Marvel comic app, um, and that is um, Adam Legend of the Blue Marvel, um, written by uh, Gravu and drawn by Broom. Um, it is a story about a superhero in the 1960s, 1961, who is um, the hero of, of America, um, responsible for saving the world many, many times over, um, uh, until one fight with his nemesis um, leads to some uh, TV footage of the fact that under his mask, he is a black man. And uh, the American government feel that if the secret was to get out, um, it, the world would not be ready. America would not be ready for their, their most powerful hero uh, to be an African-American. Um, so he uh, retires and hides until his uh, arch nemesis returns. And he has to reintroduce himself to a Marvel universe that were, wasn't even remembering that he was exist he existed because the stories that he uh, just died in battle somewhere um so really powerful stuff uh really interesting to kind of see the um the way that they they weave the story um tony stark uh, who at this point is the director of shield um demanding answers and demanding that these secrets are unlocked and holding to account some of his uh new crew for roles they played in this um this element and there's a really nice kind of few panels where um uh, Blue Marvel sits on the moon and has a chat to his friend, the Watcher, and it's just two peers just chatting about, you know, how they they first met and some of the, the experiences they had, um, and it's just really kind of shows that the tier that he's on a par with um, in the Marvel universe. Uh, so as I said, it's free on Comicsology, it's free on uh, Marvel Comics app, and uh, T, I think you said it was a thousand pounds on. Amazon as a print. Yeah, that's right. You can <laughs> you can download it for free, or you can pay nine hundred and thirty four pounds and ninety nine pence plus two pound eighty delivery if you want the one used version. That's available. blimey! It's not even on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Paper Cavalier UK. Sometimes digital's better. Just yeah. <laughs> No, that's, that sounds really great. And it's interesting. I mean, what, what a timely read for now. But it's you said it was a, a 10-year-old comic, 2009, yeah. you said, wasn't yeah. it? Um, and it is it's, it's part of their iconic, Marvel's iconic stories line um, where they are focusing at the moment on um, uh, black superheroes um, and, and their importance in the Marvel universe. So um, it is very, very timely. And uh, grab that and the rest of the comics they have there. Um, whilst they are free. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Good And that brings us to the end of another Geeking In episode. So thank you very much for coming on with us on the journey. Uh, keep involved in the conversation at Geeking In Pod um, and uh, go across to uh, teespring.com slash shops slash geeking hyphen in, uh, sorry, slash stores slash geeking hyphen in. Uh, to check out um, our uh, T-shirt designs. Wrap yourself a mug. They're amazing. Um, 
and uh, until next week, uh, keep safe, keep looking after each other and keep remembering to not geek out, but to save everyone's uh, stuff and geek in. Speak to you next week. Cheerio. Bye.